Welcome to New Life's weekly podcast. New Life is a United Methodist congregation established in 2011 in McChesney Park, Illinois. Worship is weekly at 5.30 p.m. with events ongoing. Check us out online at www.findnewlifeumc.org and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. I'm your host, Mark Myers, pastor of New Life, as well as our sister congregation, Sherland United Methodist Church, and our cooperative on-site mission, The Paper Angel Closet. This week's podcast is for the sermon preached on August 27th and 28th, 2016. Series title, If. Sermon title, No Ifs, Ands, or Buts. Scripture reading, Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39. Here are these words from the Apostle Paul to the churches in Rome. Who is going to convict them? It is Jesus Christ who died even more, who was raised, and who also is at God's right side. It is Jesus Christ who also pleads our case. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble, or distress, or harassment, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. We are treated like sheep. For the slaughter. But in all these things, we win a sweeping victory through the one who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that has been created. God bless the reading of scripture today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for all those listening to your word and good news through our podcast this week. Please bless them, encourage them, and help them experience your presence and call on their lives. Send your spirit upon them and help them hear your voice as they go about their week. Amen. The Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan at the helm were a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed every game and every championship. Now we've gotten to experience that a lot in Chicago. We got to experience, of course, with the Bulls. We got to experience it again with the Blackhawks. Hopefully, we'll experience the next several seasons with the Cubs. But after a certain game in 1990 against the Cleveland Cavaliers... That game, Michael Jordan scored a staggering 69 points. A reporter caught up with one of MJ's teammates, Stacy King. Stacy scored one point that game. The reporter asked Stacy, How will you remember this momentous game? Stacy thought and replied, I'll always remember this as the game Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. You may not remember Stacy King, but because of MJ, he has three championship rings. Today we conclude our series, If, based on the book by the same name, by Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and on Romans chapter 8, by the Apostle Paul. We have worked through the majority of Romans chapter 8, the great 8, and finally we come to its conclusion. Our guiding question has been, what if? What are the what-if possibilities God has in store for you? 
Last week, I encouraged you to ponder the question, what if God is for you? As we end today, let us consider any remaining ifs, ands, or buts. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It is Christ Jesus who died, even more, who was raised, and who was also at God's right side. It is Jesus Christ who also pleads our case for us. A.W. Tozer, a prolific author and theologian, once said, What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It may actually define who we are. It may impact what we do, how we act, and, and how we view the world. It definitely structures our theology. It structures my theology. So if you stop, close your eyes, and imagine Christ, what image comes to mind? When I stop to think about Jesus, the picture on the cover of my very first Bible, my third grade Bible, comes to mind. It's a classic picture of Jesus smiling, playing with children. Maybe you grew up in a home or at a church with a picture of Jesus knocking at a door. Or maybe that picture of Jesus or, or a sculpture of Jesus with a lamb draped over his shoulders. I enjoyed seeing footage from Rio this summer as we watched the Olympics. I especially loved that traditional aerial view of the Christ the Redeemer statue. Jesus towers 125 feet tall over Rio, arms wide open, ready to accept and welcome all people. That's a power, powerful image of Christ. Now, I would gather that the most prominent picture of Jesus in our culture is Jesus on the cross. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus took something hideous, something terrible, and found beauty. He worked all things for good. Because of the cross, we have life. Because of the cross, we have hope. But Jesus isn't on the cross. He was crucified. And I do not think we should ever forget that. But he was taken down, he was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. He didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay on earth. If you go to a Roman Catholic church, front and center, you will see Jesus on a cross. Now, if you go into most mainline Protestant churches, United Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, United Church of Christ, who am I forgetting? Baptists you will see an empty cross. Now, a lot of non-denominational non churches, you see nothing at all. But go into the Eastern Orthodox Church and you will see beautiful icons and images of Christ's ascension into heaven. Paul reminds us that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Wow, is that your image of Christ. But that's not it. He adds something else. Jesus is there pleading our case. He is in our corner. Now, MJ was in the Bulls' corner for years and brought home a lot of wins and a lot of championships. Every Olympian at Rio this summer had one or more people in their corners family, trainers, mentors, friends, all cheering them on and supporting them. 
It's good to have someone in your corner, someone on your team backing you up. Paul says Jesus is there. He is at the right side of God, the Father, pleading your case. He spends his days pleading your case before God. Is that the image of Christ that comes to mind? What if it was? But that's not it. That's not only, or, or that's not the end of the story. If that wasn't enough, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, is also pleading with him. So what if when you closed your eyes, you thought about that? What if when you were faced with the unexpected trials of life, you stopped and pictured Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, God, pleading your case to God the Father, to the heavenly host, fighting for you? Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Now, I haven't decided if I love or hate weddings. I'm pretty sure my wife would tell you which, with certainty, that I hate them. But I don't think that's exactly true. I have a deep respect for marriage and for the wedding ceremony. It's a holy covenant between two people and God, or at least it should be in my mind. I spent the better part of nine months writing and revising the liturgy for Jennifer and I's wedding ceremony. I don't know exactly how many hours I spent, but it was a lot. So I get a little frustrated when I meet with people who have no idea what they want their ceremony to look like. Now, this isn't just an outlier. It's nine out of ten couples in my experience. Usually it's the last thing on their minds. They have the reception planned. They have the colors picked out. The dresses are bought. The flowers have been reserved. They have the cake ready to be made and the photographer booked months in advance. But they have no idea what their wedding ceremony will look like. Now I've been doing this long enough that I have three very different ceremonies that I've written. And when I meet with a couple, I give them them or I send them out to them to look over. Most couples choose the traditional ceremony, which is from Jennifer and I's wedding. Sometimes they have a verse or a poem they want to read, but often they leave it up to me. I generally pick Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Not because Paul is talking about marriage, but because he defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Beautiful words indeed. But for our wedding, we chose 1 John chapter 4. Where Paul describes what love is, John tells us who love is in three powerful words. God is love. God is love. That love became manifest in Jesus Christ, and it was a hard-fought love. Jesus lived for us, suffered torture and humiliation, and died a painful death. Jesus thought we were worth all of that because Jesus is love. And that's what love does. Love makes the sacrifice. Love puts it all on the line. Love lays itself down for a friend, for you. Paul wasn't speaking from lofty ideals. He lived it too, imprisoned, put on trial unjustly several times. He even went before Nero, the mad king of Rome. He took beatings. Jesus, before his death, was scourged, whipped with a spike chain. Paul took that vicious beating, 
39 times each, five times over, 190 lashes over the course of his life. He survived shipwreck, shipwrecks and tsunamis and was thrown out of town and stoned on several occasions. After all of that, Paul still believed God is love. He still believed Christ loved him. He certainly had his sins and past to pay for, but he endured those things not to pay for his mistakes, but to share God's love with anyone and everyone he could. For Paul, those things were more than worth it if someone else came to know God's love. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. But in all these things, we win a sweeping victory through the one that loved us. What's your jam? I have no idea if, if that's what people talk like anymore. I was trying to remember what millennials say, but what's your jam? What's that one song that really pumps you up, that really encourages you? We were watching the preview of the new season of The Voice last Sunday when a young girl performed and all four chairs turned around. Alicia Keys is one of the new judges and the contestant made a comment that the song No One was her jam. She would listen to it over and over and over again when she needed encouragement. No One, no one the song, is kind of Alicia Keys' grade eight. Here's the lyrics. No one, no one, no one can get in the way of what I'm feeling. No one, no one, no one can get in the way of what I feel for you. I don't think she's talking about Jesus, but you never know. My jam for many years has been Nine Inch Nails. We're in this together. You and me, we're in this together now. None of them can stop us now. We will make it through somehow. I don't think Trent Reznor was thinking about Jesus either, but I tend to relate those words to my relationship with my wife, my family, and my relationship with God. Obviously, some of you may have more Christian songs that come to mind. Paul says we win a sweeping victory. We are the champions, anybody? Another version says we are more than conquerors. The Greek word that describes that phrase is hypernikio. That's one reason we have more than one translation in the language. There are just words that describe an entire idea, and those words don't always have a one-to-one -one translation. Hypernikio means complete victory, actually over-conquering. It's like when the original Dream Team, that 1992 Olympic basketball team of like the best stars, right? When they competed, their narrowest margin of victory was 32 points, and their largest was 68. That's hypernikio. That's the same word where Nike comes from. Nike was the Greek god of victory. And if you want to win by 68 points, you best have your Nike Air Jordans on. That's who you are. At least that's who you could be. That could be your what if. You can be more than conquerors. You can win and not just win, but win by a sweeping victory. What if you woke up each morning looked in the mirror and proclaimed, Hibernicchio, I am more than a conqueror. The Chicago Cubs have been great this season. Oh, it's crazy. Actually, they have been amazing. They are currently the best team in baseball as of August 23rd when I'm recording this. But Sunday night, 
they were not so great. Jason Hamill gave up 10 runs on 10 hits with four errors in the first inning. They couldn't get a hit to save their life. We were watching it on TV and uh, JD and Len, the broadcasters, were talking and I think it was Len that said, this is a great opportunity for a momentous comeback. Losing 10 to nothing in the first inning doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, even if it is at Coors Field. But the Cubs didn't give up. I wish I could say they won, but they didn't. But Addison Russell hit two home runs out of that park before that game was over. Until the last inning of the last, or the last out of the last inning, they were still in it to win it. We can be too. We are fighting for the kingdom of heaven. We hope to conquer the world in love so that all people know God's love. All people know God is love. We won't be satisfied with any old victory. We want a sweeping victory. The light of Christ shining in every dark corner. More than conquerors. Sweeping victory. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. The end of Romans. Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. Wow. A couple of weeks ago, I told you that my family has core values, love, faith, generosity, and loyalty. Core values are a great place to start a solid foundation, but my hope is that they lead to core convictions. Love is a generic value that could manifest in all sorts of convictions. For me, the value love leads to this conviction, God is love. God's love was revealed among us this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also love one another. That is conviction. That is something to live by. Romans 8 isn't Paul's core values stated, and he states them elsewhere. Romans 8 is Paul's core convictions. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All things work together for the good for those who love God. If God is for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 ends with that conviction. I am convinced, convicted that nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Can death? No. Can life, the, the way we live or the mistakes we make? No. What about angels and demons, things we don't understand? No. What about kings and despots and presidential candidates? No. What about the bad things that happen in our world or the things that we haven't even come to yet? No. What about all that stuff, that stuff we don't know about in space or in the bottom of the ocean, all that stuff that you see in sci-fi movies? No. What about anything else? No. Nothing means nothing. No ifs ands or buts amen 
this has been a recording of New Life Ministries. Learn more about us at www.findnewlifeumc.org and connect with us through our newsletter, Facebook, or Twitter. If you liked what you heard, like our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, share it with your friends. Also consider supporting our Paper Angel Closet, which provides toiletries and personal care items to homeless and at-risk youth, foster families and children, the families of those diagnosed with cancer, refugee families, and families in need in our community. You may donate online or drop off items at New Life UMC, 8301 Mitchell Road, McChesney Park, Illinois, 61115. Worship is every Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Until next week, live knowing that you are beloved children of God in heaven. Challenge yourself to share that love with all those you meet wherever you go and realize that with the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ's body of the church, you can make a difference in your community and the world. Amen.